exult, be glad, rejoice. Easter's here. When you go home tonight, your Lenten fast is done. I know when I go home, I'm going to have a nice tall glass of milk. In the morning, I'm going to have a big cup of coffee. And tomorrow night, I'm going to have a nice glass of wine because it's been 40 <laughs> long days. Easter's here. But why, why rejoice? What is the real reason that we rejoice this night every year? What is that joy of Easter? Well, all the way back to the exalted at the beginning of our vigil, it says the power of this night, and then it gives seven reasons for the power of this night. First is that it dispels wickedness, that it washes faults away, it restores innocence, gives joy to mourners, drives out hatred, fosters concord, and brings down the mighty. This is why we rejoice. It dispels wickedness that Peter, who denied our Lord three times, who on the night Jesus was arrested, cut off the high priest's servant's ear, comes back to the Lord, leaves behind that hatred and spreads the gospel. It's St. Paul who persecuted the church and then becomes the one who brings the word of God to the Gentiles. It's the sacrament of marriage, which through the friction between husband and wife drives out that wickedness that grows in us because of selfish pride. That there is a tradition in one small village in Croatia that when couples exchange their wedding vows, they hold a crucifix in their hands, gazing at Christ first and then at each other. And in that town, there's never been a divorce. Drives away wickedness. It washes faults away. It's Mary Magdalene, who was the woman who was a prostitute, who now becomes the first woman, the first person, to witness the resurrection. Following our Lord devotedly and now just in the last year, has been raised to a feast to the same level as the rest of the apostles by Pope Francis. It's the faults of St. Augustine being washed away. The man who was caught up in an illegitimate relationship with an illegitimate child, who becomes one of the greatest doctors in the church, professing that love of God, beauty ever ancient, ever new. It's the sacrament of confession, where that fault is washed away again and again from us, so that we come back into that grace of God. It's John Paul II that after a man attempted to assassinate him, goes to visit him in his prison cell to offer his forgiveness to that man. It restores innocence that the apostles that abandoned our Lord at the time where he needed them most returned. And Jesus sends them out again restoring them back as part of his chosen band. It's Mother Teresa of Calcutta who picks up a dying person and sees in them the face of Christ and gives them back their dignity when everybody else just walks away. It's the Cathedral of Notre Dame burning 
and people kneeling in the streets and praying together, and non-Christians and Christians alike coming together to restore this great piece of architecture in human existence that stands for something more than just a building. This night brings joy to mourners, that the women of Jerusalem who were mourning on the way to Calvary that Jesus was going to die are the ones baptized when the disciples go out into the streets after they leave the upper room. Joy to mourners at St. Damien of Molokai, who goes out to the lepers that everybody else forgets and wants nothing to do with because they don't want to catch the leprosy, and who lives with them and serves them and brings them the sacraments and suffers and dies with them. It's the sacrament of the sick that for those who are mourning because of their illness brings them perseverance and faith, and for those of us who have to watch a loved one die, we know that they have gone with God at the end. It's a woman that I knew from the Basilica who was in the Congo during the great civil war, whose husband and brothers and parents were all slaughtered in the Civil War. And then she was separated from her seven children when they tried to be refugees and get out and miraculously were reunited in Spain. And then she came to Canada with her three youngest and she was the only one who could work and got in a car accident that kept her out of work for over two years and was barely scraping by. And she complained to how Canadians didn't smile enough. Joy to mourners drives out hatred. It's the centurion at the cross who was right there with all the others mocking Jesus and when he sees the water and blood flowing out from the side of Christ goes, he was the Son of God. It's Saint Francis of Assisi who while most Christians were trying to get rid of the Muslims travels all the way by foot to a distant land to do everything he could to convert the sultan and had dialogues and conversation with the sultan trying to bring him over to Christianity. It's the gift of the Eucharist that purifies our heart with that body and blood of Christ given to each one of us every time we come to mass. And it's the welcoming of refugees when they have nothing and we bring them home to a new home. This night fosters Concord, the Concord where Jews and Gentiles never interacted, lived together, but under the banner of Christianity, they find a common family. The first time that religion brought cultures together in the world, because before that, religion was tied to culture, no longer with Christianity. It's Catherine of Siena who, when the popes were misbehaving and that there were more than one pope, went to the pope who was in Avignon and not in Rome and said, go home. And went, he went back. And that time of discord in the church ended. It's the sacrament of holy orders. That the whole goal of holy orders, that priests are supposed to be men of communion keeping that communion within the church when we see so many of our brothers and sisters in the faith who fraction 
every year, more and more fractions and denominations within Christianity. Holy Orders is there to keep us in communion together. It's John the 23rd, Pope John the 23rd, who played an integral role in alleviating the Cuban Missile Crisis, who in a letter to both President of the United States and the leader of Russia, was able to diffuse that problem. It brings down the mighty. It's the spread of Christianity when every leader in the early church tried to get rid of it, that it was seen as an uprising that had to be squashed, and thousands were martyred at the hands of the emperors, the Caesars, and yet it's still here today. It's Japan and Eastern Europe where, under oppressive rules, tried to squash out Christianity, and nearly did because they weren't allowed to do anything in public. And yet years later, when missionaries went to reestablish the faith, they found secret pockets of Christians who still prayed together in secret. No Bible, no sacraments, and yet held on to the faith. It's the sacrament of confirmation, which is there to strengthen us and send us out to be proclaimers of the good news that we are not just keeping this faith to ourselves, but we're sharing this gift with others. And it's John Paul II who played an integral role in the fall of communism in the world, but particularly in Poland, who helped destroy that regime that was oppressing his own people. And they no longer have that. The power of this night, what makes us rejoice, is that by the suffering, death, and resurrection of Christ, wickedness is dispelled, faults are washed away, innocence is restored, joy is brought to mourners, it drives out hatred, fosters concord, and brings down the mighty. How has and how is Christ doing that in your life? Because that's the grace of your Christian faith. It's the grace of your baptism. Will you allow that grace, that gift, to be given to you again so that you might truly rejoice at what God has done and is doing for you?